What's going on, everybody? Man, we are glad to be in the house today, and uh, and what a great day it is. Uh, I know, and this is, I want to send a shout out to all of our campuses. We got our, our life group, or a uh, community, or sorry, all of our servant leaders. We have so many different leaders in the church. It's amazing. We have all of our servant leaders down at, at South Shore having service right now, so y'all make some noise for South Shore. Getting ready, and we have our servant leaders at Plant City that are prepping the building, ready for us to reopen this next weekend. So y'all make some noise for Plant City. And of course, the servant leaders here at Tampa and all of those watching online, we are so, so excited to be back at it again. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? It's a good thing. I, I can't even... I can't even hardly wait for us to get back together. There's so many faces that I haven't seen. And, uh, and you know, with Plant City, we started, it's hard to believe it was a year ago. So September, actually, is, is September 15th. We started our first service. And uh, so right about this time, we were having services for servant leaders. And here we are again, having services for servant leaders. And, uh, and so I'm excited because we got to do it for five months. And then we took five months off. So I guess I'll get another five. We're going to get it right this time. They're going to let us keep going on this one. And we are going to, uh, to, to tear it up. And so I'm, I just want to send love to all our Plant City Campus family down there. And, um, and so I also wanted to, to take a second to say thank you to Pastor Greg and, and, and Tamara. They're, they're amazing, all right, amazing couple, power couple, uh, you know, you might say. And, uh, and so we love them. We want to send them love. I know uh, Pastor Greg, he just had his stitches taken out from his surgery. And so the doctor, he, <laughs> Pastor Greg's like a crazy go-getter. It's ridiculous. And so he's always trying to get back in the pulpit and get back to ministry. <laughs> and we're like, relax, buddy. And uh, we got it. And so, uh, no, but the doctor actually asked him, said, just take two more weeks, uh, settle down. Let me, let me reevaluate you in two weeks, and then we'll be able to tell you we can come back. So we just got a couple more weeks left, and then we all continue to pray for Pastor Greg because you know, he's recovering, he's healing and uh, well, but he's, he's just got a little bit more to go, and so we want to lift him up. Now, we are starting out a series, a new series for August, and, um, and, and this one is entitled, When Life Gives You Lemons. When Life Gives You Lemons. And, and I, 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 love, I love lemonade. I don't know who else likes lemonade. Um, I have some here. I may stop periodically and just refresh with it, all right? It's a great drink. Uh, lemonade is, is amazing. Uh, but here's the thing about lemonade. It's so simple. It's a very simple uh, set of ingredients. It's, it's not rocket science. Anyone can make it. It's lemon, okay? Of course, that makes the lemon part of lemonade. And then it is water and it is sugar. Lemon, water, sugar. That's a great recipe right there. Now, lemons on their own, terrible, right? Nobody, they're, they're, they're hard to eat. They're, they're very sour. Uh, and, and, and water, terrible. I'm just kidding. Water's okay, but let's just face it. Sometimes water don't have a lot of flavor, obviously. And so you want to, uh, to have something else. And then sugar is amazing. It's the greatest invention ever. And so when you put these together, here's what uh, I was talking to my wife about, and she kind of brought it to my attention this morning, and, and I think it's true. You look at lemons, lemons are these things we face, these sour moments and experiences. And I got to thinking about us. We're the water. 
I mean, after all, you're mostly water. And, and, and so we're, we're this thing that, that can encompass other things. And then there's sugar. It's sweet. And here's what's cool. The Bible says that, Lord, your words are like honey. They are sweet to my lips. And there's something about combining his presence, his word, what he's spoken of your life into your life that can take something as sour as a lemon and turn it into an amazing, refreshing, desirable experience that others look at and say, I'll take some of that. That is what it's like to live a life on purpose and in his call and not affected by the lemons of this world. Now, we've been experiencing a year like none other. Can you even think of a time that's been even remotely like 2020? Please let it end. 2020 needs to, needs to wrap up. I, I love memes. And I saw one the other day, it was from Gremlins. Y'all remember Gremlins? Anyone, you know, kind of got gray hair and you remember Gremlins? Okay. And Gremlins, there was Gizmo. He was a little furry character, so cute. But one of the rules was you weren't supposed to wet him. And if you wet him, it pops out the Gremlins, who are not cute. All right. And so uh, it's a picture of, a, of Gizmo about to go underwater. It said, welcome to August. <laughs> right. Because it's been like a huge Jumanji game so far. Killer hornets. The only thing normal is hurricanes now. That's welcome to Florida. But our faith, our routine, our culture, economy, our systems, our relationships have all been challenged like never before. Some people you were connected with in this season You've come to learn things about them or their character, and it caused you to have a sour experience with them. And that was just your husband. <laughs> the saying is an old American proverb says, uh, when life gives you lemons and make lemonade, it's that can-do attitude. It's the positive uh, view of your life that says, I can turn adversity into something great. And uh, in John chapter 10, 10, it tells us that we're supposed to live above average lives. It says that because it says Jesus came that you might have life and have it to the full. Having it to the full, that's an amazing experience when you can have life and have it to the full because life in itself delivers a lot of lemons. But how and, and what do we do with all of these lemons that life starts handing us? As people of God, when we get lemons, we start to receive lemons of fear. We're supposed to turn those and create faith. We're people of faith. When you start to receive the lemons of chaos and disorder, Around you, you are supposed to turn chaos into godly order. You are people of kingdom order. Whenever you start to receive uh, uh, and you see these lemons of rage and anxiety and animosity start to build up, you are supposed to create peace. 
Because you and I are people of peace. It's time that the church should rise up and, and, and ask ourselves the question, are we heeding the call of the kingdom or are we bowing to the commands of the culture? Are you kingdom or are you culture? And what do we do with these lemons we receive? It's time for the church to come out of the shadows and begin to engage culture with truth and with hope because we carry the recipe for great lemonade. That's what we carry. So in this series, the overarching scripture that I want you to really write down and just dwell on over the next few, few weeks is this, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. There is momentary troubles. That's what life is. But here's the truth of it. When you set all that into the hands of God, we don't have to lose heart. We don't have to be like the world. We get to experience a glory that is eternal, that steps out the context of time so that we can outweigh all of the troubles with his glory. That's how that works. And so listen, God is challenging us to view the challenges that we are facing today as opportunities to realign our lives with God, to bring him praise, and to declare his gospel of truth. That's what it takes for a church facing the chaos and disorder of today. So you're going to, over the next few weeks, I invite you to bring back and, and share online. In fact, you can share it right now. If you're watching on Facebook, you can just, it's real simple to do, start a watch party. But tag and invite your family and friends. We start back next week, live in-person services. Bring somebody with you because of the next five weeks, we are going to dive into all kind of relationships that, and, and all kind of issues, all kind of problems that are challenges and opportunities. And we're going to focus on each one as we dive through this series. And we're going to make some lemonade when we're done. But I want to focus on what I think is a foundational topic. Because if before you can get into relationships and finances and chaos and disorder and, and, and all that, you've got to land this issue and understand that, that there is a lemon that has been served to us and it is the lemon of time disruption. Has anyone had their time disrupted? Anyone uh, face some, some real time and routine and schedule and, and uh, just, just in general time problems? Just me by myself. All right. So here's what I've learned is that time can be disrupted. Time can be disrupted. Uh, I didn't know, but the government owns my time. I, I didn't realize it. I thought I was setting my schedule, but I learned this summer I don't control my schedule. Okay? 
And so time can be disrupted, and, and for lots of reasons, not just over the summer, but, but there's lots of ways your time can be disrupted. Anyone remember before COVID, um, you, you had like, uh, um, you always said like, I don't have enough time. Like you always felt like you didn't have enough time. And, and, then, and then after the lockdown, you had too much time. <laughs> That's not good either. And, and so, and then uh, um, others, other of you, you know, what do I do with the time I have? That's what I kept asking. Everything I've been doing for 20 plus years of ministry was gone. And you go, well, what do I do with my time now? And so you wake up every day. And that's what the stress and the strain begin to, to wear down. And I said, because then every day I have to come up and go, let's find a way to use this time for the kingdom. How do we do it? I'm not allowed to talk to anybody. It's kind of a big part of the job. And so what do I do now? And, and, but the good news is the, the, the government, the CDC, and national media have, have uh, cleared it up for us. They're, they work together real well, uh, what I've learned. But I wanted us to be on the same page. So uh, I, I did get, I find this, this message I thought was very important. And I want you to see it just so we can line up on the same page. Y'all check this out. Yeah, I really don't understand why everybody isn't following the same rules right now. They're very clear. So let's take a minute and let's go over them again. First, you must not leave the house for any reason. Unless, of course, you have a reason, and then you may leave the house. All stores are closed except those that are open. And all stores must close unless, of course, they need to stay open. This virus is deadly, but don't be afraid of it. It can only kill people who are vulnerable and also those who are not vulnerable. We should stay locked down until the virus stops infecting people. And it will only stop infecting people if enough of us get infected that we build immunity. So it is very important that we get infected and also do not get infected. You should not go to the doctor's office or the hospital unless you have to go there. Unless, of course, you are too sick to go there. This virus has no effect on children except for those children in which it affects. The virus remains active on different surfaces surfaces for two hours or four hours or six hours, but in most cases it's days and not hours and it needs a damp environment or a cold environment that is warm and dry in the air unless the air is plastic. Schools are closed, so you need to homeschool your children unless you can send them to school because you are not home. If you are at home, you can school your children using various portals and online classrooms unless you have poor internet, more than one child, only one computer, or you are working from home. Masks are useless at protecting you against the virus, but you still need to wear one because it can save lives. And in some cases, it may even be mandatory, but also maybe not. Stay home. I don't know how many more celebrities we need to have tell you how important it is to go outside and take care of your mental health. There is no shortage of groceries in the supermarket. There are simply many things missing. Don't visit old people, but you have a moral obligation to take care of old people and bring them food and medicine. And finally, no businesses will go down due to coronavirus except those businesses that go down due to COVID-19. I hope this cleared up any questions about what we should and should not be doing during this time. Please educate your friends and family with this information so we can remove any and all confusion surrounding this time. Thank you. That's clear. Educate your friends and family. It's a service announcement I just wanted to give to you. So uh, I was thinking about uh, time 
And, uh, and, and now it seems like things have changed a lot since uh, COVID started. Uh, I used to spend my time on like productive stuff. And uh, now I feel like I'm, I'm spending all of my time washing my hands. Anybody, anybody else washing their hands like 400 times a day? And, and, and it's, it's like I'm prepping for open heart surgery all the time, you know. And, uh, and, they, and they, had a, they even came out with a song to help us. You're supposed to wash our hands to the song, and that tells you how long you're supposed to you wash your hands. And I can, I can never remember the song, though. And so I mix it up. I always get it confused with my CPR song, which is, uh, 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 staying alive, staying alive. And, and, I, and so I don't ever know when to stop because I only know the verse and the chorus. I'm staying alive, staying alive. It's just, it's just how my brain works. And, uh, and, and, I'm, and I've noticed, uh, if it's, I don't know if it's just me or not, but th- does the sanitizer all stink now? Everywhere I go, it smells terrible. Like, it's like we used all the good stuff early, and now all they have left is the stuff that was in the back of the closet no one wanted. I'm like, use this stuff. They won't even know, right? Like, I can't figure out, like, who is making the bulk sanitizer and... And why is their company located at a landfill? Because it is terrible. It's terrible. It used to, at the beginning, it was like, man, this smells like fresh pick, you know, orange blossoms and vanilla. And, and now it's, it's like, this smells like a fresh can of trash. Like, why is it so bad? But we find ourselves struggling with it. And I know I do a lot because I'm a Plant City guy and I grew up on a farm. And so our idea of sanitation is slightly less than everybody else's. And uh, in, in fact, whenever uh, on the farm, whenever we were going to use our pocket knife, every country boy has a pocket knife. And so whenever we were going to use our pocket knife to, to eat uh, with, yeah, we, we do that. Um, and we pull it out, and this is how we would sanitize it. I could do surgery with that now. Like that's, let's go, doc. It's clean. It's sanitized. I rubbed it on my dirty jeans. We're good. But what I've learned is a couple things that, about time. Time can be affected. It can feel different based on your circumstances, right? So if you're young, time moves slow. And if you're old, time moves fast. And when you're a kid, you know, you can't wait to get older. And when you're older, you wish you weren't, right? And, and, and then you got, you got single people that can't wait to, to be married. And you got married people that can't wait. For a weekend away, okay? And, 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 and then you have, you have young couples that can't wait to have a baby. And they, all they talk about is the baby. They can't even hardly wait to have a baby. And then you have middle-aged couples who can't wait for them babies to leave. And then you have older couples that just hope those babies come back and change their depends. It's just your experience, your circumstances can affect how time feels. But the truth is everybody's given the same amount. That's the strange thing about time. You can be a sultan in Saudi Arabia, president of the United States, or a homeless person, and your day has the same amount of time as everyone else's. So what you do with that 
block of time is what determines the outcome of your life. Time can feel different, not just on your condition, but it can feel different based on your atmosphere. You're right. When you're having fun, time flies. When you're bored, I don't know if you've ever been on a blind date with someone that God had not issued a personality to, but you'll know what it's like for time to go slow, okay? And, and, and so, so your atmosphere changes things. So, and, and if you're sitting on a hammock under a palm tree on a beach in Puerto Rico drinking a pina colada, time stops altogether. I'm the only beach person here. And so time can, can change based on the atmosphere you're in, which is, is really cool because when you encounter an atmosphere engulfed in God's presence, time stops. It's an amazing experience when you, I'm not talking about the kind of like, I'm going to spend five minutes, you know, I got to get this devotional done, or I'm, I might say uh, my, my prayer over my dinner. I, I'm talking about that kind of, I'm talking about you tie away and get yourself in his presence, lost in worship, lost in his glory. His glory fills your room, your space, and, and time seems to stop. Because here's the thing about God. He doesn't operate within the constraints and the confinements of time. He, you are obligated to time. He is not obligated to time. He was here before time began. He was here when time was getting its baby steps in place. He'll be here when time is gone. Because he operates outside of the context and the constraints of time. That's why when you walk up into his presence and he moves into your moment, he can do more for you in a blink of an eye in his presence than you could do in a lifetime by yourself. Amazing things begin to happen once you set aside time to walk up into his presence. When he comes in the room, he grabs you by the hand and he ushers you into his domain. He steps you over into his realm, which is timelessness. You know, the Bible says that a day in heaven is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. In other words, time doesn't have the same properties in eternity that it has here. Our daughter uh, drowned when she was little and, and it's okay because she, she's fine now. We, after a few minutes, we were able to resuscitate her and bring her back. Um, she, she's perfectly great now. Other than being a teenage girl, she's, she's flawless. She, she sometimes has too many words for daddy. Uh, I don't know if any fathers could agree with me in this, but when my little girl starts talking to them, I'm like, pumpkin daddy's all out of words, baby. I can't. You go talk to your mama. She's got like a lot of them. Use up some of hers because she's going to come to me later too. And, 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 so, and so what we noticed when she came back after we came home from the hospital and the, the subsequent weeks afterwards, months, is that she would say things that were so far advanced beyond her years. She was saying things about the spirit realm and about God and an understanding of who he was that were so beyond what 
we had been able to teach her at that point. And she was saying truth that you wouldn't really understand unless you had lived a life of experience. And she had not lived yet. She was four. And we got to thinking about it. If a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day, that moment, even though it was just a few minutes where she was gone from me and with him, there is no telling the amount of download that that little girl received. She saw more in a moment than 10 generations will see on earth. Just a moment in his presence stops time in such a way that God can maneuver and, and navigate your life to get you to a place of healing. Listen, your body needs time to heal. But God's touch requires no time. He can step into your body. You're the one that's bound to time, not him. So if he says healed, you're healed. He can walk into your marriage, and you've been ruining your marriage for 20 years. And he can walk into your marriage, and he can flip that thing around in an instant. What you would have to go to 400 marriage courses just to get your engine cranked, he can turn around in a moment. Things happen in his presence that don't happen anywhere else. Eternity can be experienced in your day-to-day -day life if you will stop and walk into his realm. Put your stuff aside and engage his glory. God can do it. Time doesn't only feel different based on the condition you're in, but time feels different based on the values you have. When I was a young man, I used to value the look of a thing, its appearance. So when we first got married, I bought furniture. I didn't buy it based on quality. I bought it based on trend. I bought it because it, it, I thought it looked good. I didn't care how it was built. I didn't care that it was made out of duct tape and cardboard. I didn't know what was in that thing. It was terrible. But I, it looked good. It looked good. It was white. My wife said, you know we're going to have kids, right? I said, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. That thing didn't last 30 minutes with them children. They ruined it. But the next time around, it came time to, to get something. I, I had matured a lot. You can't tell it from the gray hair, but I had matured some. And so I realized then I only look for things now that have longevity and endurance because it's in the context of maturity and time that you realize it doesn't matter how it looks if it doesn't function right. It doesn't matter how it looks if it doesn't last. If I'm going to spend this hard-earned money on something, that joker better last. That's why you don't see teenagers walking around antique shops. You see them in the mall with new shiny things. But you go into an antique store and it's a more mature crowd 
who have learned to appreciate the fact that this thing lasted longer than your sorry little teen self has been alive. They built this before your mama ever thought about you, all right? And, and, and so there's something about maturity that gives you an understanding of the value of things. I love repurposed stores. Everybody ever go in a repurposed store where they take something and make it into a new thing? I took, a, took that old beat up couch, <laughs> turned it into something amazing. Take an old table, slap a door on it. You got yourself something amazing, right? I love those stores. I'm always blown away by them. Because here's the truth about that. If you build something right the first time, when you build it right in the beginning, even if you don't, it doesn't look like what it was built for. You can flip that joker around and spin it and add it to something else, and now you have a new thing. But only if it was quality to begin with. That's a word for some young married couples right now. You just got together. You've only been together a couple years. You're thinking about getting together. But here's the deal. If you will build your marriage right from the beginning, if you will invest your time and your energy into his presence in the beginning, if you'll do the things you're supposed to do in the beginning, then whenever you get 20 years into your marriage, it won't be busted up like your friend's marriages. It won't be wrecked like your, your co-worker's marriages. You don't have to live that life. You get to take that experience you built properly. And just because my personality, oh, you're different now. Yeah, I'm different now. I weigh 100 pounds more than I did then. But, but just because things change doesn't mean it's not quality. I get to turn it into something even better now. You get to grow with me, and I get to grow with you. We get to shape our life because we built it right in the beginning. Time invested properly. Understanding the value of a thing. I want to share this big idea. You can write this down. If you, if you don't have the notes, you can find them online, I believe they're on the, the app and online. But time disruptions are opportunities to realign with God's purpose and assignment. The challenge you face, the lemon that's in your life is nothing more than an opportunity to realign with the purpose and assignment of God. Last week, Pastor Jonah spoke about purpose and assignment. Our purpose is to be with him. Our assignment is the task that we're called to do, right? And, and, and it's all of that you're experiencing right now in the world is an opportunity for the church to realign. At first, I was real beat up by it because I thought, man, look at this world spinning out of control. What do we do? We don't have any, how do we change things? How do we get involved? It's too much. But the truth is that God uses these very kind of moments. Read your Bible. He would shake nations to their core. You think coronavirus was rough. You ain't seen nothing. I, it, there, there are na entire generations were yanked out of Israel. Children, women, gone. Men show up back at the house like, what happened? Read Ziglag. 
talking about anxiety and depression. They were ready to kill David. This man had to strengthen himself, the word says, because he couldn't find anybody around him to strengthen him. There's something about these encounters that take people of fortitude and people with the longevity built into their DNA as believers. And it takes those people and it creates a monster for the enemy. Because he don't know what to do with you when you say, I see the lemon, but I'm mixing my drink right now. I see the lemon that you've presented to me, but it doesn't intimidate me. You can bring it right over to my coffee table and we're going to make some drinks. That is our call as a church. Job 14, it tells us that a person's day, their days are numbered. They're determined. You have decreed the number of months and have set limits that he cannot exceed. So look away from him and let him alone till he has put in his time like a hired laborer. You've been given an allotment of time. He says, you're a hired laborer in this life. He's already bought your time. You are not your own. You are his. He's the king of kings, lord of lords. You are submitted to his authority. If he's not lord of all in your life, he's not lord at all in your life. And so if he doesn't own your schedule, he doesn't own your time, then he doesn't own you. Reevaluate where you are in your walk with him because he is king of kings. He doesn't play around. He's an owner and a, and a sole proprietor. He owns the whole show, and he owns your time. Your time is not your time. He bought your time. He gave you your time. He created time. And so when he allotted to you your number, he said, you cannot exceed it, not one minute more than I gave you. And you don't have the right to shortchange what I gave you. They are mine. And so he says, take my time and walk it out. And if you can see it kind of played out in the story of Noah, because Noah was in the ark. And remember, it rained for 40 days and nights, but he was in the ark for 150 days. That's five months. Guess how long we've been dealing with this shenanigans? Five months. And the door is getting ready to open to the ark. And what is God going to find when that door opens? Because you think you're going crazy being locked in the house with your children. Do you read the story of his children? They were insane. And he was, God said, okay, get in the ark. He got in the ark. And God did this. See you later. And he disappeared for 150 days. Not to be found. And then it says that God remembered Noah. You mean God forgot his name? No. God remembered. Oh, yeah, I put Noah on assignment. Let's go see if he's still there. And when he came back to the ark, he found Noah still in the ark. If it had been me, I might have jumped off already. 
Think about all them animals. Now, an ostrich, when they poop, it don't smell. I just learned that last night. But I'm pretty sure elephants do. And there were some big ones on there. So he's trapped in this stinky boat with these annoying kids. And, and I'm sure his wife had already exceeded his word limit for the day. Every day for 150 days. When are we going to stop, Noah? I got to go to the bathroom. When are we going to stop? And so God says, is he still where I left him on assignment? And so he gets back and he sees the ark and he sends his dove and he says, now's the time for you to exit back into the world and rebuild properly what I've assigned humanity to do. That is the church's call. The doors are opening. Literally, our doors are opening. Next week, the dove has landed. When those doors open, where will God find you? Time is a currency and it has to be invested or wasted. You don't get an option. There's no holding it. Time is a currency. It had to be invested or wasted. And so if your marriage is stressed right now, it's because you didn't invest your time properly in each other. It's an investment issue. And if you're overweight right now, it's because you invested too much time in eating and not in jogging. Time is an investment and, and a currency and it has to be invested or wasted. If you're going to have good kids, it's because you invested in them time. You don't accidentally get good kids. You get good kids. I always tell young parents, this is my, listen, you agree or disagree, I don't care. <laughs> if you have little kids, if you will start investing time on that tail, <laughs> when, <laughs> when they become teenagers, you don't have to do what you have, what everybody else is doing. If you will establish something early and build it right, you don't get broken teenagers. Always parents come out and say, I whip them, but they don't respond. I say, you ain't hit them hard enough yet. (laughs) There is a limit. There is a, all right, so Ephesians chapter 5 Here's the scripture. I want you to get into this. I'm going to run through this just as fast as I possibly can. And so, so check this out. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, it says, be careful then how you live. That literally means to walk as if you are going, you're walking through a dangerous place. Walk as if you're walking through a land, a landmine. Walk as if you are walking through a, a, a traps. Walk as if you are walking through an obstacle course. It's a dangerous place. Life is a dangerous place. The enemy ushered in evil and wickedness back at the foundation, and it is still an evil place. It it, it has capacity for good only in context of what the body of Christ can usher in. The only thing that is good is God. And And so you've got to walk through life, it says, like you're walking through a dangerous place. 
not as unwise, but as wise. In Psalms 90 and 12, it says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. It is not a numbering like as if tell me what my number of, tell me when I die, Jesus, and then I'll start acting right, right before. That's not what he's saying. It means you get to budget it out. Teach me to budget my time, Jesus, so that I can gain a heart of wisdom. You gain a heart of wisdom when you learn how to budget your time according to his desire. Show me how to budget my time. What do I do with this allotment you've given me? Budget my time. And, and, and then it says, uh, making, the most, making the most of every opportunity. Okay, and making the most means to redeem, to repurchase, to buy back something that was taken. When, when the enemy takes your time, you have the ability to buy it back. It's going to cost you, but you have the ability to buy back what the enemy has stolen. You can take back what you've lost. The time you've wasted, the good news is you can get it back. I see so many people that get saved later in life and they think, man, I've wasted so much time. And all I can think is, man, you have an opportunity to redeem every ounce of that time. God doesn't operate under constraints of time. Remember that. So if he's ready to restore your time, he can speed up your internal clock so that you end up exactly where God wanted you to be. You end up exactly on purpose. You fulfill your destiny and God gets the glory. That's how it works. So making the most redeeming, repurchasing of every opportunity. You know what? It, it's, it, some, some things say redeeming the time. And, and that's, that's kind of, uh, that, that scripture may be a little elusive because it might feel like he's saying you can redeem your minutes and your seconds and your months. But that is not what he's referring to. He's referring to the time. A set time. A time that has a start and a finish. It's an opportunity. It's a season, a window of opportunity. And an opportunity is, is nothing more than a, an assignment with an expiration date. The opportunity God sends your life is an assignment with an expiration date. You don't get another day to try and make up for it. There's no makeup quizzes. You have an allotted time to complete the assignment God has for your life. It's an opportunity. Buy it back. Redeem it. Don't let the enemy take your opportunity God sends you. Because the days are evil. They're full of annoyances, hardships, and disruptions. Therefore, we do not, do not be foolish. That's senseless and ignorant and stupid. Bible's strong sometimes. Don't, can you stop being such a dummy? And, and, but understand uh, what the Lord's will is. That section means to settle the issue because the owner has decided a thing. Settle the issue. Stop fighting against the owner. He's decided a thing. Go with the thing. And do not get drunk on wine. I just broke some of y'all's hearts. I'm just going to say, I didn't say you, you can do whatever you want with it. I'm just going to tell you, he says, do not get drunk on wine. 
we're going to throw tequila in there and rum. All of it, all right? So, so don't get drunk on that. Listen, meaning don't, no excess in worldly pleasure. Don't find your, your excess in the world's system. You find excess in the king's system. Okay, and he tells you this right here. Because if you do, it leads to debauchery. That's like an old school word. Debauchery means abandoned time. Squandering, wastefulness. You, you, when you indulge in what the world has to offer, you waste the time God has allotted to you. The clock is ticking. Instead, here's the alternative. Here's what he said. Don't be drunk on wine, but listen, instead, as the opposite of, be filled with the Spirit. So, so time spent being filled with the Spirit is not wasted time. Time engaging the Spirit is not wasted. In fact, in your notes, I'm not going to go into it, but you'll see some stuff on soap and some little tips and tricks and, and acronyms that can help you. But listen, time spent filling yourself with the Spirit is not wasted. Then he said, I want you to speak to one another with psalms and hymns and songs of the Spirit. In other words, time spent engaging a community of faith is not wasted. Time spent engaging life groups is not wasted. If you can surround yourself with people that will put you to your purpose, that is not wasted time. I'm sorry if you had to cut dinner short, dinner was a waste of time. Engaging a community of believers is not a waste of time. And then, and then it says, so sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father in everything. Time spent in praise is not wasted time. Sometimes it might feel like it because it doesn't really resonate in the physical. But, but, but time spent in praise is not wasted time. You know how hard that is? Even for pastors. Because we have schedules too. And, 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 and our clock sometimes says, if I'm standing here, then I'm not doing anything. And that turns off our ability to engage the king. Because we think what we got to do is more important than being before the king. When the only thing we do that matters is being before the king. Time spent in praise is not a waste of time. It's the opposite of complaining. You cannot complain and praise at the same time. It's impossible. I want to give you, so we went through that scripture, and, and, and so I want you to get this. Here, here is Paul's lemonade recipe. There's, there's a few things in here that I want you to, to get. I'm going to blaze through them. Are you ready? All right, this is Paul's lemonade recipe. Here we go. Be careful about your time and choices. Be careful about your time and choices. Watch this. I, I love, it's just an example. You, you get mad and hate me if you want. It doesn't matter. I'm not your lead pastor. <laughs> he ain't checking his emails right now. So you're fine. Just email away. All right. Here's the deal. 
I talk to parents all the time. I've been a youth pastor for a long time, and now I'm a campus pastor. And, and so we've been in ministry for, for a minute, okay? And so what we have understood over the years is we have the conversation. I've had the luxury of time. So because of time, I've been able to have conversations with parents when they were young parents, and I've been able to have conversations with parents who now are older parents and more mature. And so I've been able to see transformation in parents that you don't get to see. So here's the conversations. Conversations are like this. I wish we had not spent so much time. Actually, I wish we had not wasted so much time on things like travel ball. I love sports. My kids play sports. My, they, they both in, in sports right now. So I'm not, this is not anti-sports. I love sports. But when your coach's schedule dictates your children's spiritual investment, that's a problem. And here's what I've, we determined years ago when we started seeing that. In, in students, we had the luxury of being youth pastors and, and, and basically raising some teenagers that weren't ours that we didn't have to pay for. We had that luxury before we had kids, and it, it helped us tremendously. I'm so grateful for it because it allowed me to see things that parents were, 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 were dropping, balls they were dropping. And, and, and I got to go in and go, okay, well, well, let's not do that, what do you say? And so we decided we are never going to allow uh, another thing to dictate and, and determine the amount of spiritual interaction our students get, our children get. I have parents all the time that say, I wish I hadn't have done that because now the kid is not connected to any other believers. They don't know anyone in their church. They have no relationships outside of the team who now are none of them are saved <laughs> because they all were skipping church too. They're, they go through the scenario and they go, they realize I didn't get to impart into them the value of church community and the value of worship and coming together because I made it an optional exercise if we didn't have anything else going on. Investing time in kingdom principles is not wasted time. What's wasted time is investing time in the world system. For all the good you gather, there's something that far, a glory that far exceeds. Remember how we started? These light and momentary issues. Second recipe part is this, be an on-purpose person. Be an on-purpose person. Wake up on a mission. Wake up on a mission. There's places around the world that are called blue zones. These blue zones, there's like four or five of them. It's where there are more people, a concentration of, of centurions, that are people who have lived to be over 100, than anywhere else in the world. These couple little regions, very small regions, and, and more density of well-minded. These, these are people with low dimension numbers. These are people that, that don't deal with early death issues, and they live to be over, well over, their, over 100. My, my grandmother, she, my great-grandmother, 104. Okay, so, so, so these people get to see a lot of life and, 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 and invest in a lot of generations. And so one of their key principles, they found nine things that make that work, that make each one of these things happen. And one of them is waking up on purpose. They live in a place where they decided, the community decided, each one of us has a purpose to fulfill. And we're going to do it. So waking up on purpose, be an on-purpose person. Uh, live a life worth living. 
You, a lot of people have bucket lists. I have bucket lists of places I want to visit. Do you have a bucket list of purpose? What are the things that I'm going to accomplish in my life before this thing is over? Spiritually, what are the things I'm going to do in the kingdom before this thing is over? Live a life worth living. Really think about what you're choosing to do and make wise decisions. Calculate the cost, the time, the resources, the relationships that I'm going to have to, to remove from my life in order to accomplish in the time that God's given me what he needs me to accomplish. I'm dragging around dead weight relationships that I need to cut off. You know you need, you've needed to cut them relationships off years ago. But you keep dragging them around. And God said, it's time for you to make wise decisions and choose what you're going to do. Don't let, any good opportun- or don't let any God opportunities pass you by. You, there are good opportunities, and, and good opportunities don't always mean God opportunities. And God opportunities don't always look like good opportunities. Y'all ain't never walked through nothing that God used to bless your life that did not look like it was going to be very good in the beginning, but that joker turned out to be amazing. Some of y'all named Julie Pippen married a guy like that. It didn't look like a good opportunity, but boy, that joker turned out to be a God opportunity. Right, boo? All right. Don't be senseless, ignorant, and stupid, all right? Invest in equipping for your assignment. Don't be, don't be caught stupid. Don't be caught ignorant. If God's assigned you to, to student ministry, you, would, you should study student ministry. What is the next generation got to do? What do I need to know about them? How do I empower them and impact them? If God's called you to do missional work, what does it take? You should study on missions. You should know the biographies of great missionaries from around the world. If you are called to be uh, an usher, you need to understand the principles of stewarding people. How do I do it properly? What can I watch? Can I go on YouTube and see some videos of how Coca-Cola does it or Chick-fil-A? What are we doing? What are people who do it right? do you take that initiative it's your calling why are you waiting on some uh, pastor or some some guy on a stage to, to teach you how to do your job better than anyone else on the planet does their job it's your purpose own your purpose seeking to know the will of God require, that, that requires time with him Requires time with him. Seek and know the will of God. Here's another recipe. Don't get distracted and lose yourself by and lose yourself by the world's view of living. Don't waste time chasing pleasure. Find pleasure in chasing God. You hear that? Don't find don't don't waste time chasing pleasure. Find pleasure in chasing God. Surround yourself with people that you can engage with in the things of God and those that will encourage you in your purpose. Don't waste your time on people that don't care about their own purpose because they don't care about yours. Take time to be thankful and remove complaining from your vocabulary. If the gates of heaven enter your courts with thanksgiving, right? Gates with thanksgiving enter your courts with praise 
So therefore, listen to this principle. If the gates of heaven are opened to your life through thanksgiving, then the gates of hell are open to your life through complaining. That, that, one, that one hurts a little. Complaining is the doorway to the enemy. Every time you do it, you open the door just a little bit wider. So listen, let me lay in this thing because we're running out of time. A lot of us are being served lemons when it comes to our time. And many of you, you're, you're multiple things. You're multifaceted. You're employers, your employees, your parents, spouses, your bosses. You, you are uh, consumers and learners. You are teachers and you are friends and children and siblings and some combination of all of them. So at any point in time, you are probably something you should be or would be doing is not getting done. And you got to settle that issue. Well, put that stuff away because my time has been allotted to the purpose of God. You're not called to do everything, but you are called to do something. And regardless of the distraction, whatever the limit is, by submitting it to God, we regain ownership of the time. The time that we've been given. And we can point that time toward things that matter. Limits of time distraction and disruption are opportunities to realign with God's purpose and his assignments. What are you going to do with yours? I want to challenge a, a group of people, actually two groups. First, I want to ask those that have realized you've squandered a lot of time. It's not that you've been even disconnected. You've just been disengaged and you've squandered time. Maybe you lost it in all kinds of things. You could have lost it in drug addiction. You could have lost it in bad relationships. You could have lost it in any number of things. But you realize I wasted some time. And today is a day where God can restore and redeem. He says, his word says he can send the, the he can restore everything to you that the locust and the cancer worm have, have consumed. Everything the enemy has taken, everything you've squandered, he can restore it. If you're breathing, you still get a chance for him to restore it. Your time is short, but you still have time to restore it. You just got to work a little harder than everybody else. You just got to push in more than everybody. You ain't got time to be playing games. You got you to get in his presence. And today's the challenge for you. And so I'm going to pray a prayer real quick over, over each of you that are in that category. You don't have to raise your hand or do anything funny, but just, just know, just say, yep, this is, this is for me. This right here, this moment, this prayer is for me. So let's pray together. Father, we, we acknowledge that we have tried our own way and it doesn't work. So God, we lean into you and we say, you have your way. You restore everything to me that I've squandered. I am sorry. I repent. I give up my own self. And say, God, I realize I'm, I missed it. And I want you to restore to me what I've lost. I need your help. It is yours, God. I want to accomplish your assignment on my life, your purpose. I want to be with you. 
redeem the time in my life. And I will enter your presence and I surrender my life to you completely. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. Now listen, you might also, there's a second group here, and you might be watching online, and, and you've never actually given your life to God. You've never actually started this journey. Here's, here's what I, I've found. I, I got a call yesterday. It was, it was really an amazing moment. Uh, a woman, I had, I, we, we had a life group that had an event on Halloween last year. They were just setting up a little trick-or-treat area for kids to come walk up and get candy. And while they were talking to kids, we would talk to parents. And so I was there, and, and I, I happened to, to uh, meet one of uh, the neighbors that were walking by. And so... Fast forward, casual conversation, no big deal. Fast forward to yesterday. This neighbor actually drives around and she finds the home that had the party and, and she goes up and she knocks on the door and talks to one of our, our amazing members. She's one of our servant leaders in Plant City. And, and she says, hey, that sounds crazy, but there was a pastor that I met last year at your house on Halloween and and I, I really need him right now. My mom has cancer, and we've moved her down to, with me for hospice. She's come to the end of, of her treatment. She's, she's hurting so bad. And uh, said, could you call that pastor and, and see if he would come? And so, uh, so of course, um, I did. And it, it's part of, the, part of the gig, right? And so... I love it. I went and was able to meet this woman. I, I'd never met her. She didn't know me. Um, but here's what I learned. I walked away realizing when, you, when you're at the end, when you feel that, that clock start to tick down, here's what, you, here's what you think about. We didn't talk about her job. She didn't care about what she made in life. She didn't talk about her hobbies. She didn't talk about sports, her favorite teams. She didn't, she didn't bring up any of that. You know, what she, you know what she talked about? Legacy. She talked about faith. She, she said to me, I want someone else to get saved because of her situation. What you talk about at the end are the things that mattered. Whether you did them or not, that's what you'll talk about at the end. And so today, you get the opportunity. If you've never been saved or maybe you've walked away from your relationship with him and, and you're ready to restore that, you can do that today. You can get back in line, back on the train, ready to accomplish his purpose in your life so that when you get to the last day, you take that last allotment of time he gave you, you'll be able to say, I accomplished the purpose he sent me here for. And you'll be able to share a legacy of faith for generations to come. But you can't do that on your own. You need him. Your life can have purpose. You were built for it. But it begins with a relationship with Christ. So if that's you, you're watching online and you want to make that your declaration today. I'm 
receiving Jesus as Savior, then I want to pray a quick prayer, and then we're going to do it. Ready? Father, I thank you for the salvations that you're birthing right now all over the world. There's someone watching who happened to tune in. They didn't even plan on it, but they're watching right now because you had a word for their life. You're calling them into your kingdom. And so, Father, accept them now. And and as you're praying, tell him, I receive your gift of salvation. I receive Jesus into my life. I give him all of me, my money, my time, my family, my occupation, everything about me. I submit it to him because he is king of kings and Lord of lords. And I make him sovereign in my life. And I give you all of me in the name of Jesus. Amen. Congratulations. You prayed that prayer. You accepted Christ as Savior. That is amazing. In fact, we're going to take a second and just celebrate that. Can you put your hands together and just tell everyone that gave their life to the Lord today how amazing, happily, amazingly happy you are for them? So here's the deal. We want to know what God did, and we want to know that God touched your life. You gave your life to him today. And so I want you to, to text the word Jesus to the number on the screen. It's real simple. It don't take long. There's nobody going to harass you. We just want to know what God has done in your life. So text the word Jesus, and we're going we're gonna to celebrate what God has done. Now, here's the deal. I want everyone that's in the room, all of our servant leaders here, to stand at every campus. You can stand. And, and as our worship team gets ready, we're going to push into worship one more time. And if you made that your declaration today, that you're ready to redeem your time, you're ready for God to take control of your days again so that you can accomplish the purpose that he's called you for, this is an encounter for you. Lose yourself in his presence. I promise you, our worship team will stay all day, all night. If one, right? I think that's what they said. If one person will enter into his presence, we'll, 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 stay, we'll do a conference here. We'll stay for the week. We'll take turns. How's that? But listen, let's worship together. And as we close, Pastor Wade will come and he'll dismiss. And we'll come back together next week for an amazing service. So come on, let's enter his presence.